more often than not true, especially when you're in haunted houses. How do you guys pick your locations that you're going to explore? <laughs> There's a very big bucket list and we try to plan around things happening like this because we can meet all you beautiful people out there. And we kind of just say, oh, you know what's in that area? Awesome. And we go do it. I, uh, I get, we get asked all the time to do certain things all the time. And there's always like, there's, there's the top 10, you know? Oh, when people find out you're going to Chicago, they say, oh, you gotta do Gacy, you gotta do Al Capone. And I like to, there's a, there's a little exercise I try to do. It's like, you know, everybody goes to New York and everybody wants to see the Statue of Liberty. I wanna see what's behind it. You know, what the Statue of Liberty Bones. is blocking. <laughs> so whenever I, whenever we choose something, it's always, in our mindset to choose something that nobody has done before. Off the beaten path. Off the beaten path. Yeah. We try to bring history, whether it's good or bad, to people. You Especially know? things that have been overlooked by right. mainstream media or other, uh, what do we call it, dark tourists? Dark tourists? Is yeah, that something the, like that, yeah. Crazy? yeah. There's, um, like you are saying, a lot of people want to see Gacy here in Chicago and almost everyone we know of has done it. And we're like, well, there's so much to see here. Not just Gacy, there's so much to see here. So it's like, let's let's deep dive a little bit because I, I feel that's a big passion with any horror fan is those deep dive movies that you're like, okay, you like this movie, but you know about this one. Like, okay, so this is like, and then you go and you start telling this whole story because of the passion that we have for these things. Yeah. And you know, speaking of horror movies, what are some horror movies for you guys that you could just watch over and over and over again? It's the faded question. Right? Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> I try to tackle this question whatever I'm feeling in the moment. Same. Right? Because there's. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It changes. So yeah. I'm a big. Abominable, abominable Dr. Fives fan. I love Vincent Price and that movie, those two movies, The, uh, the Rise and um, I'd, I'd say that. Yeah, I like 70s, the late 60s and 70s horror. So anything in that wheelhouse, I'll watch regardless anytime. I, so as much as I'm uh, a horror lover and I, I love horror, my top three movies are not even horror. And I think I've said this probably so many times over um, our Grim Muffle Nights, if you guys are familiar with hanging out with us. Which are coming back. They are coming back, we promise, we promise. My top three in no order is Legend, The Dark Crystal, and Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I guess Bram Stoker's Dracula, is technically it is hard. Um, I see it more like a romance. It's very romantic. But like, if you were to say classic horror, for me, classic horror will always refer back to slashers, and it has to be Halloween. It's always gonna be Halloween. I can watch that no matter what. Yeah. And where did your guys' love for horror and the paranormal come from? Like, were you always spooky? Did you grow into the spooky? I've How did always, this happen? I don't know about spooky, but I was always weird. I think that's more appropriate because, so I was born in 1982, and we had a lot of the classics coming out then and, and right before. No one in my family watched horror. No one in my family. And to this day, my mom's like, I can't watch that. And she'll turn the TV off and she'll walk out of the room. And I'm like, no, no, you're missing the best death scene ever. And uh, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of, like The Dark Crystal, that's a dark movie. That's a dark kids movie. There's a lot of dark films for children in the early 80s. And you just kind of go, ooh, what else is out there? But also you had the rental stores that had sections. You're like, oh, what's that? Oh, look at this case. Look at this picture. Oh, that looks so gruesome. Let's watch it. That's not, not even in the movie. That picture was not even in the movie. Yeah, that always made me so mad. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. And I, I think kind of similar for you. I think we were both just oddballs growing up. And I don't, I don't remember you telling me anything that inspired your love for that curious, natural curiosity. I have a story. Have I heard this story? No, you haven't, actually. Oh. I was just thinking, I was sitting there over here, and I turned to you, and I was like, I don't think she's heard this story. Um, 
We all love your stories, by the way. I think that's kind of how Grim Life Collective got started because he's such a natural storyteller. So when he says he has a story I haven't heard, I'm all ears. Now we asked the right question this oh, time. <laughs> so you took me way back. So again, growing up in Pittsburgh, my mother was a huge horror fan. She loved horror, especially Friday the 13th. My dad, absolutely terrifying. He will not watch them. Although it's funny, he'll dress up as like Freddy Krueger every year for Halloween, and it's awesome because he's got this big ZZ Top beard. It's so bizarre. But um, living in Pittsburgh, our family house, it was in my dad's family for many, many, many years. And his mother, whenever she, he was like 14 years old, she died. I, I want to say dysentery, but I don't think it was that, but she actually died in that house, and I didn't know that. And then... When I was younger, I was on this medication that kind of screwed me up. Like I, I forgot how to write when I was like preteens. Like it, it, it was like this nerve medicine that just kind of screwed it up and I had to learn to rewrite. And it turns out the medicine that they put me on, they actually technically overdosed me and I could have died. But I remember before I went to the hospital, I was laying in my room and this woman came up to me and sat down on the bed and put her hand on my leg and just kept telling me everything was going to be all right and she was telling me stories and i never thought anything of it and then for the next couple nights it kept happening and my dad would hear me talking in the middle of the night like i was talking to my sleep and i told him about this woman and he kind of got freaked out. It's like that classic story, like, what did she look like? <laughs> and I tell him, and he's like, what? And then he found a picture, and here it was my grandmother who died when he was 14. And I'd never seen a picture of her before. So I think that was the first time that I ever got really interested. And on our channel, we don't go ghost hunting. We purposely don't go ghost hunting. And it's not that we we're scared to or we don't believe it's just i don't know we're it, it goes back to always trying to do something that's different you know keeping in that mindset that story had an awesome plot twist if i would yeah i can comment yeah <laughs> i was like i was like ooh, hallucinations wow cool oh, no it's your <laughs> yeah oh yeah You're <laughs> we thought it was the medicine yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, i mean if you think about it i mean i don't want to get like too like weird because i don't know anything about this whole thing but you know, when you start taking things that messages that, that messages that messes with your your mind or the electrical impulses in your body, I mean, who knows what you can open up, right? So, I'm a believer in the ghost, but only if it happens to me. Like it's the weirdest thing. People have ghost stories, and I love hearing them, but I sadly I don't believe them unless I can experience myself. So, were you? technically like not on your deathbed but like you were actively ODing from their instructions and the dosage they Yeah gave? so they actually overdosed me um to the point where I had to uh, oh god another crazy story I'll save that one for a different time it's creepier <laughs> but I was taken to the uh to the hospital in an ambulance and they said if I would have went one more day I probably would have died. Oh my gosh yeah I'm glad you didn't. Thank you. Me too. You all are very glad that. It got really grim in here. <laughs> um, and I'm sure it's hard to pick, but you know, um, what are some of the really memorable locations that you've been to? Ones that just really stuck with you. It's kind of hard to choose, but. Pet Cemetery. It goes back to Pet Cemetery in Bangor. That's not what I thought you were going to choose. Usually I choose Pet Cemetery, and you choose. Uh, Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly too. Buddy Holly too. Buddy Holly too. Yes. Both. So if you haven't seen the videos, do it. But the Pet Cemetery filming locations and the the Buddy Holly, the Day the Music Died videos, to me, they're they're kind of the same. They have the mm -hmm. same kind of like haunting atmosphere. Very and haunting. You're Very there, haunting. and. I feel like if you watch them back to back, it's almost like a double feature and they kind of go well together. But yeah, both of those, those are the two. And Buddy Holly at the Surf Ballroom, you can go in and do a walking tour. They have a little pamphlet, they'll say, this is, you know, interest A, B, C, and D. And it's, it has been refurbished, but they kept everything original as much as possible. And 
you walk into the auditorium where they played their last show and you can hear the music. You can hear a laugh, you can hear a crowd. Like, like we're hearing the crowd now, you could hear it there. And you're going, okay, so my brain is playing a trick on me because obviously no one's here and there's no music being played right now. And it just felt so magical that you kind of really felt like you were there for a show, like you're just waiting for the band to go on. And I, I felt like I could turn around and talk to somebody who wasn't there. It was, it was a very interesting experience, but then you go into the crash site and it was weather, much like it is right now, it's snowing a little bit, it's freezing, everything's all wet. My shoes got ruined. <laughs> I had to throw them away. So the crash site happened in a field. Uh, I believe it's corn. It was uh, chopped down by we went. And it happened on their property line. So the owners of the land graciously allowed people to walk back there and pay their respects. There's monuments and everything that you can pay your respects over who died. So you're walking literally just a dirt path. Well, because it was raining, it's now mud. Um, and because the sky was dreary and gray and, and wet and raining and snowing on us, it just felt perfect. It felt like it should not be a sunny day outside because it like matched your emotions, you know what I mean? So it was, that one was a very kind of emotional experience, I think, for the both of us. That's the, I think it's the only video that I actually got teary-eyed. teary-eyed, yeah. 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 And I, I don't think I cried. But I did get very emotional over the Bundy locations. Yeah. That was kind of hard. Kimberly Leach. Yeah. The, yeah, the girl. Yeah. I, I think I've cried in at least three Sonic videos so far. Yeah, um, like we went to the Dark Crystal exhibit in Atlanta, the Puppetry Museum Arts, and he knew it was in there and I didn't. And he was filming me, me coming around the corner and I saw it. And like, I'm shaking thinking about it now. I, I just, I broke down crying because it was right there in front of me. It was a life-sized, um, the actual puppets used for the Skeksis and the Mystics. And they're huge, they're massive. And I'm about to cry now. Like, they were just right there. And I was like, you know, like it was, it was very emotional. It was <laughs> my, my childhood come true. So there's been like emotional instances of this is really hitting me very heavily because this horrible thing happened here and we're paying our respects, but at the same time, it's like, oh my God, there's a Skeksis. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> totally been there. Oh, yeah. I haven't got to go to that exhibit. Well, I know I haven't been to the exhibit, but, but, I've, but I've been in that emotional state seeing something yeah. as a surprise or a filming location even. First time, um, one of my first times visiting Chicago, first time I visited Chicago alone, I'm from California, um, I live here now, and I was staying in a hostel downtown because it was cheap and I was poor, and I'm walking around and I'm a diehard child to play down, everyone knows I love my dolls, right? And I, I look up and there's the street sign, Wabash and Van Buren, like in the opening of the movie, and I'm like, I am here. And I did that, and I was just like, it was right here, and it was, oh, 25 years later, it looks a lot different. They built a lot, they ripped a lot down, but I was like, this is the corner, and the red building was right there, and so I knew it was the corner, and I was like, yep. And I took her, when, when she came um, to Chicago for the first time last November, we took an excursion downtown, and I took her to the old Carson's building where they filmed that scene in Child's Play too, or Child's Play also, and I'm like, you're here, you're here. And I was way more excited than she was, but I had to show her. I feel that we're, I was gonna say, I feel that we're very lucky in, in what we do, but we definitely, we don't say one day anymore. And he says this a lot, like he will apply a date to something and we're always aware that that date can change, but it's like, we're gonna get out and do it. It's like, I never in my life would think that I've gotten to see half the things I've gotten to see. And it's just, putting your mind to it and getting out there and going and his amazing uh sense of go get him. organization skills like <laughs> we both do research yeah. but he he can track stuff down and know exactly that we're going to be here and we have about a good 15 minutes to explore and we're going to be here for another 15 minutes yeah. and like the way that how do, what do you call it when you do the itinerary like there's a whole mental game that happens. I don't know. Somebody said time management, but it's something. I, I, I think I called something at one point, yeah. but I, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and I was going to ask you guys, like, how do you plan the sites you go to and the logistics of it? Like, how do you plan this trip from like beginning to end? Like, and how long does it take? My hobby, and I, I'm going to say this is my only hobby in the world right now. I plan trips and adventures. So I call them grim tours to places I've never been, knowing someday I'll go. And next year, we're going to be in the UK, um, traveling through England for two months. That trip's been planned for a very long time, even before we even made plans to go. Yeah. You know, so I, that's the fun. Like, I go on these little trips every single day, and I, uh, I write them all down. Or I have a map program, and I put everything in there. So when that time comes, it's already it's like dropping a pin on a map so you like yeah. you you have a location to a cemetery you're like okay i know i want to go there and then i know i want to go to say 30 minutes away to this part of the city because something was filmed there and you kind of just have to go okay well we know cemeteries is cemetery safari we don't know where the stone is so let's allot ourselves this amount of time just to explore so we can find it and you just kind of apply like say a, a time zone to each location and then go well, that's about a full day. I'm gonna see what we can fit into the next day, but what can go wrong will always does. Just say plot twist and, and and go with it, you know, because something's always gonna go wrong, whether your car breaks down or you go to the cemetery and for whatever reason that day the gates are locked and closed. Which has happened to us a lot. There's, there's a movie called Mask. It's uh, with Sharon Eric Stoltz in it, and in it, Rocky, he's always putting pins on a map of places that he wants to go. I think that's what it is, and maybe that's where I get it from. Because okay. I loved that movie growing up, and yeah. yeah. And you know, uh, tell us a little bit about what it's like um, getting to do these kind of con experiences, meeting fans, and also meeting other like horror fans. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> In a good way, in a good way. You know, because growing up, I loved, everybody loves, we all love horror movies, right? Never in a million years did I think that I'd be at a place like this. But recently, within the past year, it really set in how weird it is. And it's a good thing. So we were in Cincinnati doing a convention there, and we were sitting right next to Tom Savini. Right next to him. And I'm like, how... Why? How is this happening that we're here? I was about to lose my mind, and he's he's leaning over. He's like, "Hey, how's it going, con buddy?" You know, and I'm like, "What the heck? What?" It gets weirder. So we're sitting there. We sign an autograph, and he's got a line. And somebody walks up to the table, a younger guy, like maybe like early twenties, something like that. He walks up to Tom Savini and he says, I'm a big fan. I found you from Grim Life. No way. Yeah. <laughs> and I just did this. Because, <laughs> you know, we did that video with him and it was like our first big, big video. But I think that that speaks a lot into how this industry is changing. And I don't want to get like all like that kind of talk, unless that's part of your questions. But, um, for years, a lot of these conventions, it's been movie stars and people who've been in TV. And then here's these two people on YouTube, this family on YouTube that's showing up at these conventions and some people don't know how to take it. We've been met with some promoters who go, I don't get it, I don't want them. And then other people are like, I will, I will bring them. You know, I will pay for their flights. I want them there. I'm a fan, families love them people are reaching out to them saying, please bring these guys because they're a part of our family. I think um, with the creation of YouTube and what content creators are able to do to the extent of today, since it's um, indoctrination onto the internet, um, it's, I liken it to being the closest thing horror has to reality TV, I suppose. Um, the horror community is vast is huge and it's one of the nicest communities out there if i may say so myself um you have occasional gatekeepers or elitists who are like oh you're not a real horror fan if you don't know this movie and it's like well okay but do you know this one and like uh -huh. come on uh -huh. you know um especially as a woman in horror you know um 
I've never not felt welcomed in this community. Whereas I'm also a sci-fi geek and that one, look, it'll knock it out, you know. Um, Tricky. <laughs> Great, now I gotta leave. Um, it's a it's a it's a beautiful experience because we we call this the Grim Life family because literally you guys are our family. You're our built family. We're you're the family that we asked for, that we welcomed in, that we've been looking for all our lives because we didn't have a strong family base from either of one of us. I'm gonna cry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh please. Um, Niagara Falls, Frankie. Niagara, Niagara Falls. Falls. Niagara Falls. Not in the Canada. No. That's just how giving and welcoming and accepting and beautiful this family is, even though it comes from a place of death and gore and chasing people down and stabbing them or bouncing them off a tree in a sleeping bag, you know? Um, I think it's just morbid curiosity and entertainment. We obviously, there's probably less psychos in the heart community than there are other fan bases. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, so getting to come here and meet you guys, if you've met us before or seen our videos on a convention, you know I'm going to hug every single one of you. But if you ever come up to the table or if I see you in passing and say, oh my god, okay, I'm going to go I'm like, you got to give me a hug first. <laughs> you know, and that's just because it, there really is a closeness here that I, I have not felt in any other community. Totally agree. Um, you feel the love like immediately walking into a horror convention, yeah. I feel like. You hug people you don't even know, but you feel like you know them. Because yeah. you do kind of know them. Yeah, and, and like my first, yeah. my first horror uh, convention, I was very, very nervous. It was like five years ago, and my, my husband wouldn't go with me, and he's like, no, you go have fun, it's your thing. And I'm like, but I'm scared to go alone. Not because I'm scared of the horror people, because I've loved this since I was seven. Yeah. Um, or eight, and but I was like new, new hotel, new, new environment, alone, no, no, no one. And, and I walked first time I walked in, it was at this hotel, different con in this hotel. I walked in that room, and I was just like, yeah. <sighs> I said, this is my tribe. I don't know a single person in here except the celebrities, and I instantly felt at home, and I was hooked, mm -hmm. and it was just. The most beautiful family ever, and I've gotten the best friends, this one, um, and some others, uh, many, many others, out of this over the last five years, and it's it's more than I, I could have asked for. And you had your first horror convention a year and a half ago in Indianapolis. I'm a baby. Baby! And, and tell, tell, can we just talk about your first experience out there? I mean, I was nervous too, especially because yeah. I was going to be on stage talking to people who were heroes of mine. It's like, what am I going to ask them? And um, yeah, just, just, I had never really been in a con before. Um, I don't have a lot of horror friends, you know, back home. Wrong. Yeah, it was just, everybody had great t-shirts. <laughs> there was amazing things. And just, um, you can just have conversations with anybody. Um, I, I would do it every single day if I could, I feel like. Every weekend. <laughs> And we should also say, as is an overshare, I'm sure, um, but you talked about, you know, your first time meeting and first date, right? That con was the first time we met in the flesh. I was waiting for her at the door of the hotel. She walks in and we hugged and it was just like beautiful. <laughs> You know. That's awesome. There's always beautiful things happening at the yeah. horror convention. It really is. You know? and and whether it's here or, um, oh, I always forget the names of them, the one in Orlando. Spooky Empire. Spooky Empire. Um, the staff is always like, this is my con family. We don't see each other except for conventions. And it's like, they may have not seen each other for a full year. And it's like, they saw each other yesterday. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot like that here. And one thing I do want to touch on too, is that there is so much respect in this community. Like, uh, Twitter and like online places are, are very harsh, right? But in the hard community, even on Twitter, everyone's just always like, man that's awesome you know like and we're always asking each other questions and and suggestions and i rarely come across someone who's just being a twat sorry <laughs> we usually don't cuss this is usually pg family related but i always say if it's after went, hours or if we're you know at this a is table, after hours this is after hours yeah um but i mean there's just so much love and respect here and it's what keeps us coming back but i mean it's also we're just big kids. 
Yes. Yeah. We're big kids. It's summer camp. Right. It's literally summer camp. And we have Jason. <laughs> but we also, you know, some people will go to different conventions and we see the same people at the different conventions. You guys know what it's like, right? And it's it's a reunion. It's four days of, of hanging out with the people you love and you might see each other once a year if you're lucky, maybe less or twice a year. And it's a big reunion. It's summer camp. It really is. And we all collect such different things. I was realizing yes. that today that he's off looking at one thing and he comes back by the table and he goes, oh, by the way, I saw a booth down there that had lobby cars and I went, she beelined. She stopped everything she was doing and then she left. His is signatures and posters and mine is the original lobby cards and press kits from movies. That's like my favorite That's thing. Really cool. I get it signed, oh my god, I'm gonna die. But just having that there because it's like, this, this went up on the wall when the movie came out. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah, like, you can go broke here. You will go broke here. No, no regrets. No regrets at all. None. None. Okay, do we have any audience questions? Any at all? Yes? Two things, actually. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you guys for doing those watch parties during COVID. Like, that just saved me and him so well. You know, we couldn't go out, and, you know, it's nice to hang out with you guys, so I do appreciate you guys doing that. But, uh, is there ever a location that you felt particularly, a particular location where you felt inspired after you left there? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, about the watch parties, I, I mentioned real quickly that they are coming back. We travel a lot and we want to do them because just like it helped you, they help us too. You know, during the, um, the lockdown and everything we were stuck at home you guys were stuck at home it was a way of like a lifeline so we want to bring them back we and think like a about safe space for horror fans too you know like just come hang out and be with friends and i think the first one was right around christmas time yeah so when we get back to la the first week of december we're going to start doing them again we haven't made an announcement yet but they are coming mm -hmm. and we're really excited about it uh i say all the time and sometimes in videos but off camera i say a lot does it get any better than this? And it does, every single day. And I don't wanna be like a poster on a guidance counselor wall, but <laughs> every time that we go out and we film something and then editing it and creating a story, it inspires me to just go out and just see the world. The world's such a big place, and there's just so many things that I want to see, and sadly, I'm going to be dead before I can visit them all. Um, but it doesn't stop me from going out and taking this one with me, or she's taking me, you know? So I get inspired all the time. And it sounds like a poster, but just as simple as just living. Does that make sense? Especially when it's a filming location that we go to because so many places are being torn down all the time. And you'll go and visit a place and you're like, oh my God, I'm so glad this is still here. And then it makes you think of something else that's maybe just as old and you're going, oh man, we got to get to that one before they tear that one down because who knows, you know, the condition that the, we find places in. Um, we got to do the Halloween 3 factory. Oh <laughs> I crawled on my hands and knees under the foundation of this factory to get into it. And only to have a couple months later, there was an earthquake and that part yep. that I crawled through collapsed. So I was like, yeah. but um, that question, there's a lot of, a lot to that question. That's, that's loaded. Uh, we have a saying amongst each other. Every time we do a film and location video, we always look for the number three. And that started whenever we did the Lost Boys filming location and talk about inspiring, right? And we always say look up, but we always look for the number three. And that's for that little tiny thing in the video, no matter what it is, that it could be, I'm doing a video on the Statue of Liberty, but look at that crack right there. That is so cool. Do you know where that crack is from? That crack. I can tell you. <laughs> that's our number three, where it's like the yeah. thing that is so overlooked and that's the stuff I love to find in the videos, is the number three. The things that you can still see from either a filming location for a movie or a TV series, and you go, 
you know, this looks like it, but someone just changed and you go, nope, because that thing right there, I can tell you, matter of fact, that was in it, it was like, look, I can pull, and we do this to each other all the time when we're on location. We pull out our phone, we pause the movie and go, look, 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 it's right there, that's it. And I always take the, I always take the long way when I tell stories, so I completely forgot to tell you why the number three is important. <laughs> so the Lost Boys on the boardwalk, the scene where Michael and everybody are on their dirt bikes and they're getting ready to ride off and Star's on the back and Michael's like, my bike won't keep up with yours. Or it's not that fast. And like, all you gotta do is keep up. If you look behind Michael on the wall, there's a number three. And it's like slightly out of focus, but you can make sure it's that you can see it. It's still there. Well, the amount that it's changed. The painting is different, but that three is still there. So she pointed that out. It's like a, a very small piece of fence from the carousel to, I, I think it's a restaurant. So you have the gated opening, so you have gate and gate, and those are still the same, but they've changed the color, and the three is still the same, but everything else around it is different. Because we're like, I think this is it. This doesn't feel right, though, because that's not, that's not the same. That's not the same. And we're almost about to give up, and I was like, stop. Look, if you look at it from this way, oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Good question. Because I also, um, we've, we've noticed this a lot in film, especially that it is what you're looking at, but they filmed it like this. So it looks completely different than if you just look at it head on. I feel like through this process, um, I feel like you would learn so much about film technique, too. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I actually went to film school, uh, Pittsburgh Filmmakers. So I, uh, and every time I turn the camera on, we'll, we'll line up a shot. We're getting ready to tell a story. And I'm like, no, something's not right. It doesn't look right. It's not visually appealing. The rule of thirds. And she's like, oh, my God, just shoot the dang thing. I'm like, no, we got to go this way. We're always trying, the hardest part of the video is always the hardest to do, to find that opening picture that people are going to go, wow, and then they sit back and then you just take them on a journey. And Especially because not every subject has something like right. that. And I, I think that goes back to when I, when I went to film school, which was so long ago in Pittsburgh, but uh, Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> um, you know, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, what you've learned kind of about filmmaking in these it's, particular films through visiting these locations and seeing them right in person like that. A lot of times whenever we're uh, delving into the filming location, a lot of people go and they're like, oh, this is the building, then they move on. I like to recreate the exact shot and line up as close to it as I possibly can. And I've learned a lot. Um, we are constantly shouting at each other once we realize how they took that shot. Oh my God, yeah. movie magic, this is movie magic, movie magic. Because sometimes the way that they capture these is a little bit of magic. Cause you realize it, it, some things look so simple, but what they had to go through to get that is mind blowing for this little two second shot. And I think the biggest thing that we've learned especially if you're a location hunter and you go out and if it's a location that nobody's done before which we love um and it's not we'll get into that but a lot of times productions you don't realize this but if they're filming they try to stay close to where they're filming so if a big scene happens here and then you have a series of little scenes it's usually right around the corner you just kind of have to hit the the sidewalk and go explore um, but it, it's neat storytelling and another thing that I knew going into it when you tell a story and you have an image most people have a hard time paying attention to anything that's longer than 27 seconds so that's why you'll see a lot of these TV shows are always doing these like flashy things or movies are always changing um, angles to show different things so your 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 mind's eye is constantly so i'm always doing that trying to you know show different stuff at home while he's editing and I, I should know so much more about it by now than i than i really do because 
My days pretty much consist of trying to do menial things like laundry or clean the house. And I have to stop every 20 seconds or so because he's like, he's like, okay, I, I know you're doing something. I know what you're doing. I know you're busy, but, but and he likes to show me the clips that we've been filming and his editing and this. And he's like, oh, I gotta show you this. And he gets, he gets so excited. I love it. Like his energy is, is endless. And I'm always like, yep. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Gotta, gotta get this thing done though. <laughs> because editing does take so long. We'll take, uh, for example, the Goonies filming locations. That took us a week to film, mm -hmm. and and the end product was what an hour, something like maybe. And and I like to hide things. Yeah, everybody's gonna go back and look for them, maybe. But in all the videos, there are things hidden, like little Easter eggs. Yeah, like, and sh I'll, I edit with earphones in all the time. And then I'll start laughing and she'll poke her head around I'm like, what are you laughing at? I'm like, oh, nobody's going to get it. Nobody's going to know it. But this is me. funny as all heck. Yeah. I'm like, what did I do now? Usually it sounds. So if, if, if you're watching it and you're listening to it, I, I like to overlay sounds and put weird things in that just kind of, oh, nobody ever gets them either, so which sad. is the best part. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I loved this one video you did. I think it was a year ago. I don't think it was this last Halloween, so I think it was the Halloween before. And I'm so sorry, I can't remember where you were at, but you were going um, to visit a haunt, like an amusement haunt, but in the daylight. And it was amazing because you were talking about how they build all the stuff and how they would post videos building the stuff. And it was such a, it was such a beautiful location. And, and just seeing it in the daytime, it was, you could see all the details on it. It was so stunning. And they only ever open these things up at night, but watching you guys walk through it in the daytime made me want to go to those things in the daytime. Was it outside? Yeah. It was haunted over. Yeah. Yeah. We did the part two. I did yeah. not see the part two. Huh? It's so, now I gotta go find the part two. <laughs> this, this past Halloween, we just got done. Uh, we took two months and we visited all the scariest haunts in the United States and turned the lights on and showed how they scare you. And a few of them, we actually went in with our camera, something that they don't usually allow, and recorded the haunt. Mm -hmm. And Haunted Overload was one of them. Hell's Gate in, here in Chicago, or Lockport, Illinois, was one of them. John the Flamboy, amazing people. Scary as hell house. If you can, if you haven't been, you gotta go. I had an anxiety um, attack. It was so good. But like, Haunted Overload is just amazing. Just beyond, there's it's nothing stunning. like it. Yeah. So it takes place in, I guess it was technically a pumpkin patch. It's on a farm mm -hmm. and there's a heavily wooded area. So what they use is all technically, I guess you would consider driftwood, but since it's not near a river, it's just found wood. So they take it as it is and they build things out of it. And we, we watched, they put out videos all year long of, of them building this thing. And the, the creative force behind it is probably one of the most mind-blowing experiences I've ever seen because these things are 50 foot or tall or high. They're, they're massive. And if you were to do the daytime walking tour, wear comfortable shoes, guys, and take a snack. Because I'm hypoglycemic, so I just thought, oh, we'll be in there 40 minutes, we'll be fine. Three hours later, so we stopped and we filmed, we take pictures, but we didn't stop that often. So it was mostly walking. It was a long, because you're stopping and going, oh my God, oh my God, quick baby, get my picture. You know, like you just, you didn't want to leave this place. And then before you know it, you're like, I'm only halfway through. Because it's just very, very long and it's all um, natural paths. There's no like uh, brick paths or, or gravel or anything like that. So yeah. If you ever get the chance to visit, I, I hope to God you do because it'll be an experience that you'll remember forever. Comfortable shoes, take a snack. Yeah. Noted. Yeah. And again, it's so cool that you, you know, you basically got to highlight all the craftsmanship behind that for your audience. Because so that's not something all of us see, oh, you know, especially awesome. since we're doing these things at night. Um, just to expose people to the craftsmanship behind it. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you mentioned that you have the watch parties coming up. What are some other things coming up for you guys that you're really stoked on? Uh, so, yeah, the, the watch parties, those are always a lot of fun. Uh, we travel a lot. We usually are in L.A. for a month and then we're gone for a month. Sometimes we're gone for two months. We like to drive everywhere because we can, we can stop. Uh, we are going to be doing 
UK. I think the first weekend in November is uh, a, a convention out there in Manchester called For the Love of Horror. They invited us out for that, so we're gonna be there. And then spent two months just driving all over the place. And the videos that we're going to do there are terrifying. And I say that kindly because I have a, a bucket list of places that I want to visit that are some of the most terrifying places in, 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 in the world. And a lot of them are there. And we're going to be there for two months filming and I'm going to hit every single one of them. And I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm going to drag you into some places that might be a little too much. This is a shared, uh, <laughs> shared love thing. I, I honestly thought you were going to talk about Christmas coming up. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well that's he, the big thing that's on my mind. Yeah. Well, so about like our Christmas videos? Vincent Price. Okay. So, okay. Uh, we haven't really talked about the holiday stuff. Um, we, we don't like telling people like... We like it to be a surprise, yeah. but I was, I'm really excited about it. So I, I thought you were going to mention it. That's why okay. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead because you guys can we get a little teaser? Spoilers, we'll little we'll spoilers. just tell you. You want to go for it? You want me to? You're a better storyteller. Oh, dang it. Okay. We don't like Christmas. So we figured if we're going to do Christmas, we have to do it in a way that really is us, right? So big Vincent Price fans, right? Vincent Price, Vincent Price. Have you ever seen that photo of Vincent Price and his daughter um, buying a Christmas tree at a Christmas tree lot? It's like, there's, so everybody Google it, not now. Or now, I don't care. Um, <laughs> but there's like two photos of him and his daughter in LA in, um, in Beverly Hills, 1970. And he's so happy. You can see this like photo. It's like this Polaroid. And it's so full of life. And they're buying this Christmas tree for their house. And Jessica, Jessica, Jessica and I spent the entire day driving around Los Angeles to find this exact spot that they took at the this skyline. photo. Now keep in mind, LA changes all the time. So a Christmas tree lot in LA, 1970, is impossible to locate, but we found it. <laughs> and it was a pain. And so we found it. So we have a video that's coming out very soon that centers solely around this photograph. And to me, it's like one of the most beautiful videos we've ever done because it's, you know, it's this thing. And the funny thing about it, do you want to tell the Sleepy Hollow part? Yeah, so <laughs> we were in Sleepy Hollow Cemetery taking wedding photos. Oh, I, okay. And we're getting ready, there's people everywhere. We rented out part of the cemetery and we're standing there, we're getting ready. The, the groundskeeper comes up and he's talking to us and this woman comes up to us. She's got a hat on, she's got sunglasses and she's like marathoning and she walks up to us and she goes, do you like scary movies? I'm like, yeah, I like scary movies, but we gotta get this photo done. No, do you like scary movies? Yes, we like scary movies. He's standing there in a tux. I'm sitting yeah. there in a white wedding dress, like holding, cause it's uh, again, this was just a couple months ago. So it's been raining and like, I this billowing white gown right now, holding it like this, because it's huge. And we're just kind of like, hi, got my arms full. So I'm not getting agitated, but I'm like, my mind is, we gotta get these photos, like perfect photos, right? And she asked like four times, do you like scary movies? And I say, yes, I love scary movies. And she goes, do you like old movies or new movies? Oh and you're like, why now? <laughs> right? So I'm like, I like old movies. She goes, mm -hmm. you like Vincent Price? And I went, yes, yes. he's my dad. Oh. It was Victoria Price. Oh we just God. met her in like Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. And just maybe two months before that, we'd done an entire episode on him in St. Louis where I was born and raised. So we talked to her and we told her like our plans and we're trying to make something happen. Something, fingers and bones crossed, probably not, but at least you have a, a photograph video coming. But is the idea behind it that Vincent Price, this this horror mastermind, right? We know him from all these beautiful, like heart-wrenching horror films. You gotta look at the photo. And uh, it, it's, it's like doing the haunted houses. It's the man behind the mask, you know? And I, I don't feel like anyone's really tackled it 
in the sense of how he was just, I know they have, but in the sense of, like, he, he put out cookbooks. He loved to cook. We have a first edition. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, he was just the, the jolliest giant because he's like six th foot three or something like that, you know, and then we, we all felt, like, what do we do for Christmas, though? It's Christmas, like, well, okay, there's the, you know, sleigh deads or whatever, and then there's Krampus, which has been done to death, and we're like, I just really love this picture of Vincent Price buying a Christmas tree because it's just like so, I don't know, ordinary, but not. I have one more wrap-up question for you wonderful people. You guys um, obviously are very successful in what you do on the YouTube thing and you're kind of living a lot of people's dreams. Do you have any advice for up-and-coming YouTube aspiring people and, uh, you know, maybe mistakes you made along the way that other people can learn from? If you're going to turn the camera on, make sure you point it at something you love, 100%. If it's 80%, don't do it. If it's 90%, don't do it. We flew from, this cracks me up, spent a lot of money. We flew from LA to Orlando, drove from Orlando all the way up to Salem, drove from Salem to the furthest point of Vermont, filming along the way. We get to a place called Corinth, Vermont, the place where they filmed Beetlejuice. We we're going to do this immaculate Beetlejuice video. We get there and it just didn't feel right. So we left. It was the wrong time of year. Yeah, um, it just didn't feel right. When the sun is in a strange position where everything is extremely high contrasted, you know, it's, it's a cold ass day and you're going, yeah. why is it so bright? Yeah. So on camera, it translates extremely difficulty because there's there's no soft shadow, there's no soft lighting. It's either it's completely pitch black in the shadows and 100% blown out where the sun is touching. And we're like, can't do it. And we wouldn't dare capture something like that and put it out for you guys because if we want you to join us in the adventure as, as, as much as we're standing there doing it. And we're just like, we would do it a disservice if we did this. So, we're going back in April though. Yeah, try it one more time, <laughs> try it one more time you know, because Fingers crossed, knock on wood. Most of these things will be around for you to visit. So if you can't do it now, you absolutely can in the future. Um, you know, just get out there. The hardest thing to do is to take that first step out your front door and get in the car or walk somewhere and actually go to the location. The second hardest part is to pull out your camera and turn it on. These are looking at you. These are the most difficult things to do. And you'll, you'll feel silly. You will feel silly as hell, let me tell you. We still do. To this day, we will still get the camera out and be like, oh God, people are staring, they're driving by a home and their horns and yelling stuff out the window. And it's like, we're here to have fun and take you guys with us. And that's that's worth every bit of what the uh, strange social anxieties create. Because a lot of times it really just is your head telling you that everyone's gonna laugh at you because we still feel that ourselves. And as long as you enjoy yourself, then everyone watching will join too. And that's probably the best thing we can say. Right? <laughs> Guys, thank you very much. Please give it up for Grimline. Thank you.